University of New England is embarking on a bold new mission to transform the university's decommissioned boiler house into a purpose-built discovery space. Here, on Curiosity Built the Boiler House, we'll follow the transformation of this 1950s industrial building into a regional science-themed play space. Along the way, we'll also chat with leading experts in education, play-space design, and all things STEAM about what makes for an incredible discovery space experience. I'm Dr. James O'Hanlon, and for this episode, I chatted with Adam Selinger, the Executive Director of Children's Discovery. Children's Discovery started with the goal of making a museum. Inspired by the large-scale children's museums common in the United States, They've spent years developing exhibits and the momentum to finally bring this vision to reality. Children's Discovery came about in about 2001. And it came about because there were a group of of entrepreneurs and business people and educationists who were brought together because of the vision of of a gentleman called John Judson, um, who had the experience of taking his young children to places in uh, the US called children's museums. So he was visiting uh, Chicago Children's Museum and Boston's Children's Museum and thought these were fabulous places and why wasn't there one in Sydney? So when he returned to Sydney with his young family, he set about trying to get something going and he was talking with uh, all the museums in Sydney, Australian museums, powerhouse, He was talking to people at the Academy of Technological Sciences of Engineering and many others who all thought, that's an interesting idea, but how do you actually make something happen? And I had myself only just returned to Australia from spending sort of six years doing that Australian thing of travelling the world and having work experience. Uh, And I was introduced to John and I thought, that sounds like an interesting project to get involved with. And so I joined up this with this team and we formed this little group called Children's Discovery. Now, you know, a, a group of people sitting around a table uh, are not very effective in sort of moving projects along. You know, we were in and out of offices and meeting people from departments and museums, all very supportive of the idea, but weren't really sure what it was. You know, we formed our group in 2001 and we then spent um, about 10 years building the momentum. So people we spoke to in the streets thought, fabulous, a place where we can bring our children and and do playful learning things together. Of course we want that. We would talk to people in education saying, you know, playful learning spaces, the evidence is there. That is a fabulous entity to, uh, to, to bring families to. Um, there's a learning outcome, there's a social outcome there. You know, why aren't these here? We would definitely support it. Oh, we haven't got any money. So again, all levels of government, state government, federal government said, yes, it's a great idea, but we haven't got the money. Um, so, you know, what we needed to do is we needed a proof of concept. <clears throat> so one of the things we did really early on, sort of starting about 2002, is that we created a first of our experiences and and this was an archaeological dig site and we were very fortunate to have um, a partnership with um, people in the rocks who who generously gave us some space that they actually wanted activated and weren't sure what to do so we created the first 
experience. And the elements of that was that everybody loves to dig for stuff. The space was designed so it wasn't just for children, it was also for adults to come in and work together. And thirdly, it was a space that just one child and an adult could get a, a good experience out of what they were doing, you know, digging and finding things and talking about it, but also it would work with a group of children, whether it was a school group or a school holiday group. You know, people came, they loved it, they gave us feedback, <clears throat> and they came again when we ran it again. And then we did a series of these. We did a house construction site, we did a, a ship, we did a giant stomach. So over those, <clears throat> excuse me, those years, we'd built up a great deal of experience and proof that these are the kinds of experiences that would be welcoming to families. But we still didn't have the mothership. <laughs> and that would only come about if we had the kind of partnership that would release the kind of money, you know, we're talking $10 million, $20 million to get something of scale to produce. I mean, Sydney did have something in Western Sydney that was the same kind of model, the same kind of mission. I think it was called the, the Sydney Children's Museum out at Marylands. And it was a similar idea, didn't quite have the kind of large-scale experiences that we'd envisioned and also suffered from scale. Something like this needs to be big enough to have big numbers. So that's what we're holding out for. And we're about to give it all away. And then literally coming, knocking on the door was um, a gentleman who was looking to do a social philanthropic investment in something that would help children um, engage in meaningful experiences. And the, the, the philosophy was that a prevention is better than cure. That if you could get in early, give children great experiences that would propel them to a love of lifelong learning. They would make great choices. They would enjoy staying in school. They would excel, get better jobs, and, you know, society becomes a better place in the long run. Um, so we thought, we are your people. And we started a collaboration. I could leave, you know, my full-time job at a university and, and work on this project full-time. Before this, I was literally a volunteer. And so we, we put together sort of the business case for such a, a venture, but there was still an element missing. How were we going to build and run this? And that's when another door opened, and that was the University of Wollongong. And the University of Wollongong uh, were on their third attempt to get some education infrastructure funding for a new institution, Early Start. And that vision was to have integrated teaching and learning into the early years of life and to have some kind of community engagement some kind of activity that would sort of bring this together. And we were invited to propose our children's discovery space. And that brought us all together. So I spent five years um, working at the University of Wollongong to put together all these elements that we'd spent the previous sort of decade on to create what's now become the Early Start Discovery Space. The Early Start Discovery Space is on the University of Wollongong campus and is the culmination of years of work developing a first-of-its-kind interactive children's museum. I asked Adam about Early Start Discovery Space, how it works and how it encourages children and their families to learn just by playing. You walk in, it's a large space, it's about 2,000 square metres, so it's a fairly large space. Then you start circulating around the experiences and we have... As mentioned before, we have our signature archaeological 
dig site. We have a house construction zone. Each of these spaces is designed to easily fit 15 to 20 children and accompanying parents in them. So they're, they're good spaces. Most of these spaces are designed that there's a dress-up element. There's lots of loose props that you can you can play with. And play is the critical component here because you play. And it's not just for children. The design is to be inviting for the accompanying parents, adults and carers to play as well. And this is the reason that there is that dress-up component, reason we let you just get rid of all any stuff that you're carrying, is that you need to be feeling that you have freedom, agency to relax, to leave your worries outside the door. We know lots of families come with lots of stress. There's COVID going on. There's lots of other issues. But here is a chance to park that for an hour or two hours and just immerse yourself in this space. There's lots of variety. And play. There's the very active areas, like there's a ship and there's lots of props to be loaded onto the ship. It could be an Antarctic explorer one day. It could be a 19th century galley another day. This ship can transform. It transforms in your imagination, that of you, your adults and children, and it transforms because the staff can manipulate the props. Another thing about these experiences is that you don't have to be told what to do. You don't have to read signage about what to do. You just know what to do. Children play. It's instinctual. And because they play, they learn. And when they learn, they feel empowered. They apply their learning outside the space. They communicate what they're doing with the parents and other children around them. They collaborate with people around them. They build their confidence and their can-do attitude. And I've just spelt out the five C's. This business, the five C's, is really part of the, the backbone to these experiences. But, you know, we also need to address there, everybody's different. And people come in, in in a different mood. You might be in a grumpy mood. You just want to sit and be in a quiet space. So there are quiet spaces. You can just sit and have a reading time. There are those noisy spaces like the shipyard. There's the theatrical spaces. You can dress up and create your own show. And then there's the garden space, which, again, one of my favorite spaces. Go outside and just be with nature. Smell the smells. Watch the bugs play in the water that's coming trickling down the small the small river in there. So this is what you experience in these discovery spaces. Lots of variety, lots of time to move from one place to another place, time to just sit and reflect, and then time to go and grab a coffee or have a snack as well. At first, it might seem strange that a university, an institution of higher learning and tertiary education, has a children's discovery space on its campus. I asked Adam about the relationship between Early Start Discovery Space and the university and how they both benefit from their collaborations. This is a very, very unique place down in in Wollongong at this stage. Um, It is the first discovery space to be embedded within a university campus and not just physically embedded as well. The From the physical side, the discovery space occupies most of the ground floor of this institute. And the Institute houses researchers looking at the early years of life uh, and, and pre-service teachers and social workers. So there's this infusion of research and teaching that takes place. And research and teaching also takes place within the discovery space itself. So that you may be advised as a visitor that there's an opportunity to participate in research. And what we'd hope to do that is sort of um, 
disalarm the thought of research and basically say, you know, universities are really just places where people come and, and be curious and try to understand stuff. And it's not that complicated. I mean, some of the actual details of the research can be, but we, we're going to invite you to either just participate, but also more importantly, to understand what kinds of researches take place. And then how is that research used? And we want to share that, that the experiences that take place here in the discovery space, they're supported by research. And what that means is that when we go and say to parents and children saying, coming here and experiencing this discovery space will benefit you. You, you will know your benefit because you'll feel the joy and you'll feel happy and you'll feel, God, that really was a really nice day out. But beyond that, our researchers can, can describe saying, well, what we find is that by this kind of participation, those attitudes that you're feeling long term, you're going to build resilience. You're going to grow in confidence. Your language will develop. You'll find that when you go to school or go to high school that you you just feel that you know stuff already and you have more capability and you'll enjoy the idea of learning so that's important from that we can also talk to funders and and say that you know the research that takes place in here has impact you know the discovery space opened in 2015 so it's been going five years and five-year-old children that started going there you know, they're 10. So we can, we can almost do a bit of the longitudinal work here and support some of the work that's been taking place uh, elsewhere in the world. And that's the thing. We, we're very keen to sort of say to visitors, you know, there's research that's taking place here. Some of the facilitators that are on the floor, they might be your future teachers. They might be some of your future medical workers as well. And so, you know, children can talk to these visitors. What, what did, what were you thinking when you were my age? I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. Maybe I'll do what you're doing. So again, the staffing themselves, it's important that they are as diverse as our audience. You know, some of them will be students. Some of them will be members of the, of the community, communities from families from, you know, have come from overseas. So again, it's part of that making this a welcoming place. You feel that you own the place. Our visitors are invited to take place in surveys, to give feedback on the experiences, uh, to participate in focus groups, and then, very importantly, go and explore the campus. You invite them, say, hey, look, there are trails and pathways through the campus. Go and look at the buildings here. You know, the company, adults and parents might go, oh, maybe I can come and do some, some courses here. And that is uh, an added benefit to being co-located on the campus there. And for the children, you know, as they start going through primary school and high school, go, well, of course I'm going to go to university if, if that's what I feel like doing. I know it. I know it like the back of my hand. So that is an important component of university engaging with their community. I think, you know, the world is changing and we've really seen it with the COVID hitting that um, there are a lot of empty buildings in in universities around the place uh, because the, so much learning and teaching now play, can take place online. So, yes, universities are that central hub for research and teaching, but they're also part of the community. And they there is also, a, 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 I think, a push on universities to share their research more and to, and to share it in such a way which is quite accessible to their communities. And something like a discovery space 
is an ideal way of doing that. The other thing about these discovery spaces, you know, the early start discovery space in Wollongong, there are opportunities for older children to participate. You know, high school age children can come in and, you know, as part of their social engagement, develop courses or be facilitators. So there's an opportunity then for the university to say, hey, you're coming in at year 10. This is a good chance for us to start telling you about the courses we can offer you when you're ready to make those decisions. You know, we know that a lot of these decisions are made in the year 9, year 10 realm. So I think it is important for universities to invite these students in, and many universities have programs for that age group. But again, if these children at you know, years 9 and 10 have been coming to the university since they were 4, they're going to feel very comfortable and confident about this is where I want to be and not, you know, go to another university. And, of course, the other thing we know is that one of the biggest influences on children's decisions, whether to go to university and what to study, are their parents and carers. So, again, while parents and carers are bringing their four or five-year-olds to the campus, again, the university say, look, we, we are looking forward to in 10 years' time, we're thinking these are the kinds of courses that we offered to, to children, to, to young people, because we, we know the world is changing rapidly. We want to keep engaging you. You know, we, we're going to have relationships with the primary schools, with the high schools, and then the students will come in droves. The Early Start Discovery Space provides an environment for play-based learning with a focus on STEM. I asked Adam why it's important that these play spaces focus on science. Why not sport? music, history, or any other particular subject area? Look, they're all there. Uh, and, and sport's an interesting one because the Australian culture is so sport-focused. We have, we have uh, so many public venues dedicated to sport, you know, the playing of sport, the teaching of sport, the promotion of sport. You know, and, and the outcomes are we're a sport-crazy nation. I mean, you know, with lockdown coming, everybody's going, just get the sports venues open. Forget everything else. Just get the sports venues open. So we kind of know um, that's evidence that, yeah, grassroots, starting with little kids, getting them into sport uh, has an impact. People will participate in sport. So, you know, discovery spaces do have that opportunity to, um, I guess, steer, steer people uh, into you know, new arenas. And, you know, research is coming out to say, look, there is skills shortage in this STEM space, you know, however you interpret that. Um, you know, it's, it's technology, it's innovation, it's we don't know. We don't know what the future is, but we know it's different to what it is, what we are experiencing now. And we think... By having people, having young people uh, more adaptable to a changing environment, we think that might be a really good way of um, future-proofing um, our, our society. We'll have people that can either create new jobs, create new industries, or have the skill set that, that new industries need. So again, it's a case of, all right, we could have a whole institute of music here and get a lot more people going into music, but that is, that I think partly exists, also not the need that's been identified. So in some way, it's industry who are saying there's a bit of a skill shortage. 
We're looking overseas to kind of fill that because we're not finding it in this country. And we're in this country, our government going, well, we have this population coming up that need to have good jobs. They need to be, you know, feel that they're, they're satisfied with their work. They're getting real, you know, enough income from that so that, you know, our GDP grows and people are happy and healthy. They're not reliant on, you know, mental health services. There's, there's not a decline into crime and poverty. So we do need to, to skill up and STEMs identified. And it's not, you know, you know, science in terms of just research and technology in terms of just, you know, making things, but it's kind of that confidence that when you, you know, finish your schooling or finish your university, but when you finish your schooling, you have a broad enough skill and attitude that you can go to an employer and go, all right, I've got this, this, this level of skill and knowledge from my schooling. It's got this STEM theme through it. Take me and train me. And, and, and that's kind of what industry is saying, saying, give us some good open-minded people who have a thirst for learning and are willing to work hard and, and contribute to our, our industry and we'll look after them. Having spent years developing interactive educational activities and now seeing them come to life in an immersive children's museum, I asked Adam how he goes about designing these activities and if there's a method to designing an effective interactive experience. I kind of had a sort of three pillars kind of strategy and all of them I treat equally. I love my pillars equally. But <laughs> starting with engage, the activity has to be engaging, which means that visitors, whether they see it on a brochure or a website or a Facebook or in the flesh, they just want to go, I want to do it. Even if they're not sure what it is, they just see it and go, I just want to, I can see myself doing it. I want to be there. The second part is, yes, educate. You know, there needs to be an educational outcome. And that's such a loose term because, you know, the, these are play-based pedagogies. So even if you're a, a 15-year-old, you know, you're playing in this space. And so we're looking at what does that, what does that play actually translate to? And there's huge bodies of work on the look at play pedagogy. And it is that notion of those five C's that when you play, you know, you are problem solving, you are questioning, you're being curious, you're communicating if there's other people around and, and maybe there's some conflict resolution that's going on, on there. There's some sharing, there's taking somebody else's ideas and putting it onto yours. So these are all educational, um, outcomes. A lot of these outcomes in the early years are articulated in the early years learning framework. Later on, when you're, you know, looking what are, you know, can we, can we put some geography in here? Can we put some history in here? Can we put science in there? Well, yes, you can. And they're all the layers that go on top of the ship or the builder. There's, there's science, there's technology, there's engineering, there's maths, there's more complex problem solving. And what is really interesting about that is that young children will play. It's a natural drive. They'll get there and play. Older children, as a kind of default, will play as well. But if you want to add that extra layer of sophistication, that extra layer of, of, of more complex learning, you need the facilitator. You need someone to challenge them. If you're in the marketplace and you're just, you know, you're picking up fruit and putting in the basket and going to the register, beautiful play. But if you want to sort of say, well, look, you need to plan 
a menu for the week. What do you want to eat each mealtime? How many pairs, bags of flour are you going to need to put all that together? And here's your budget. So suddenly you've turned a playful thing into something a little bit more expansive. Don't know if it's as much fun, but at least, <laughs> at least there's a, there's a problem-based challenge there to be solved. So you do have that strong element of education. And so early year educators love the space for the playful nature. Um, the, the primary school educators love it because, you know, they can, they can knock off dot points on the curriculum because there are programs that are layered on top of the experiences that allow, you know, the primary school and maybe even some of the high schools to tick off some of those education outcomes. And of course, the third pillar is that idea of these things being accessible. So it's designed so that little children will be safe in the space. It's designed so that if you happen to be a six foot two dad, you can also fit physically in the space and there's costume that fits you. So you don't feel like this awkward, tall, older person while your kids are running around having fun. So you put all these elements together and that I think is the secret for making these, these experiences successful. The development of the Boiler House Discovery Space has been heavily influenced by the work of Early Start Discovery Space and Children's Discovery. I wanted to ask Adam what's gotten him excited about the Boiler House and what he thinks is unique about this opportunity to revitalise the University of New England campus. Every community is different. There are different needs, different expectations, different personalities involved in the project. So I've always been conscious that you don't want to do a cookie cutter approach saying it worked here, we're going to do it here because that's kind of not the purpose. You really want to create a space that is reflective of the community, reflective of your, your families, reflective of the university and its research and teaching, reflective of the physical space. Boiler house is exciting because the building is an old boiler house. It is this, this, I think the, the architectural term is that it's brutal. It's a brutalistic building and you've got a brutalistic building and you want to engage families with young children. I mean, that's an exciting challenge in its own right, but it lends itself saying boiler houses, it was about, you know, heating water effectively. It's about heating water to, to warm the university. So, you know, the idea of you bring water in, you need some kind of fuel to generate the heat, you need pipes to get it out. I mean, that just in my mind, and I think in some of the others I was speaking to, evokes this almost Victorian steampunk kind of theme where it is about big machinery, mysterious pipes and gauges and things. So I think there is an opportunity to think um, about using the boiler house as the seed for this experience and then looking at what the kinds of research that's taking place, whether it's teach, teaching research or whether it's, you know, new energy research <clears throat> and putting it in, into this space. Uh, and again, being on a university campus and, you know, another regional one, uh, community buy-in is so important. So, look, I think it'd be a very exciting project. I think it will be another world's unique project in its own right, a boiler house converted into a discovery space on a university campus, you know, with with different kinds of experience. Still needs to have the, the general background, loud spaces, active spaces, quiet, reflective spaces. I think there are some key elements that that will speak to the success of a space and making sure you get those amenities right. But beyond that, 
you know, I, I would look forward to engaging, you know, academics, engaging children and engaging uh, educators say, look, let's be creative. Let's try things out. We can, we can invest and try things and watch them succeed or fail. There are things that we can say we won't do, but then there are things we can say, let's give this a go. To find out more, visit the Children's Discovery website, childrensdiscovery.org.au. This podcast is recorded on Anaiwan Country and has been brought to you by the University of New England. To find out more about the Boiler House Discovery Space, visit uneboilerhouse.org.au. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next time on Curiosity Built the Boiler House. Thank you.